the latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello and welcome to this week's 442 Insider podcast. I'm editor Trevor Jahan, filling in for Jacko, who's still in Melbourne after the Celtic game last night. But filling in for him, slash me, I suppose, is um, Kevin Ayres, online editor. Hello, mate. How you doing? I'm cold. Cold, yes. Yeah, it is a little bit cold in the recording room. I've put my coat on to come into this room. That's quite how uh, cold it is. But still, plenty to talk about this week, despite the fact we've got this long, closed season we're worried about. We were talking about it before we come on air, Kevin. The, the website, going great guns. Record traffic outside of World Cup month, I believe. Yeah, it's just sensational. Uh, it's just anticipation everybody's got. Excitement brewing for the next season. And uh, there's a lot, uh, it's a lot of withdrawal going on as well. It's mm. been a long time since we had proper football in yeah. this country. Should we put the season back a little bit further? Maybe? Yeah, yeah. I think, <laughs> a bit more strong know, mumps. Yeah, just milk this for all it's worth. But no, it's, uh, it's good to see that you know the enthusiasm has not died at all. There's still a lot of interest in uh, football. Excellent. Um, some of that interest is going towards the Women's World Cup, particularly the, um, the Matildas' progress. They bowed out um, this week, or it's Sunday night, when they lost to Sweden 3-1. Um, impressions of that game? I am going to take a very unpopular view, mm. to be honest. I th- thought, with the exception of the Brazil game, we didn't play very well. Good, because I was going to go down those lines, but I'm pleased <laughs> you've done it. <laughs> you've done it first now. I'm going to At least there's two of us in Australia that think this. Um, no, I thought you know, there was individual moments of brilliance from many of the players. Yep. But as a team effort, I thought it was terrible. Uh, <laughs> yep. I thought the defence was... Awful, to be honest. The mistakes were... It was, you you just can't get away with that. Yeah. Uh, and I think in hindsight as well, you know, the excuses were made that uh, it was a young squad and uh, a, it wasn't a developmental World Cup. Mm. It was the Women's World Cup. Yep. Uh, we had a couple of injuries, Kate Gill and uh, a Walshie, but uh, that doesn't excuse, excuse the, the, the problems we had. We possibly went too young. Mm. Um, it was great experience for them, but that's not the point. It was the World Cup. There was a lot of experienced players we left behind. There was gaps all over the defence. There was a lack of communication. There was a lack of organisation. The midfield wasn't gelling at all with uh, the attack. Lisa Devana was brilliant. She was a one-man band. Yeah, uh, yeah she is just so tenacious, isn't she? She is. Uh, I mean, during the, the last game, I suggested we should take her as the overage player for the... The uh, the men's Oli Ruse because uh, <laughs> right. I think she would be dynamo uh, dynamite. Uh, she's brilliant, uh, but she works by herself. Yeah, the rest of the team is there to support her in yeah. her her eyes, uh, and I think there was a, a lot of that. I mean, there, there was Elise Perry as a right back makes a great batsman, uh, but <laughs> having said that, she's got a fantastic shot on her. Mm. She's obviously played out of position. That's not the position for her. She yeah. was terrible right back. Yeah, um, good. I'm pleased you made those comments so I don't have to. And my, my thought process behind it was um, there's, there's something ever so slightly patronising about yes. still going, well done, girls, exactly. because it's the girls. That was my, f- and, uh, my other point as well. There's almost more respect if, if you criticise them in the same way that we would have criticised the Socceroos yeah. if, if they'd performed like We would that. never have allowed the Joys, the under-20s, the Ollie Roos or the Socceroos away with that kind of performance. And to turn around and say, oh, you all did very well, you're all, you know, it's great to see. Mm. Yes, they do it for the love of it. Yes, they don't get paid. Mm. But we're not going to get better if we just turn around and say, yeah, that was great, well done. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I do tend to agree. I mean, I mean, was it a good tournament overall? I mean, they were ranked 11th. They made it through to the last day. lost to a team ranked higher than them. I mean, <coughs> looking at it in a very simplistic sense, we were the lowest, about right? We were the lowest ranked of the eight teams yep. that got through to the, the quarters, so we did well in that sense. Yeah. Um, but we could, I, th- I feel we could have done better if we'd been better organised at the back for just at the very big, uh, basic level. Um, yeah, I mean, the, 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 their assistant manager, Spencer Pryor, um, we probably know quite well from watching him um, back in the UK, was a no-nonsense centre-back, smack-it-into-the-stands type guy. Like, he wouldn't make any of the mistakes that, yeah. you know, that those girls were sort of, you know, dawdling around the back, yeah. letting players cut in, and letting it happen over and over again yep. throughout the tournament. That They hadn't stamped it out by the time they got to the knockout stages, and, and, and it's what cost them, yeah. really. Yeah, and I think, you know, we've got bubs and goals there, and she pulled off some great, great saves. Mm. She really did. I mean, she stopped uh, a, many of the scorelines blowing out cricket scores. Yeah. Uh, and she is, without doubt, a great goalkeeper in that sense. But there's other skills to goalkeeping that get overlooked. Distribution is one of them, which was fine from her, but organisation and communication are the other ones. And that was sadly lacking. It really was. I mean, there was no... Didn't seem to be nearly enough direction going on from her, and it, which is especially disappointing when she's captain. Um, in terms of how the tournament's panned out since the Matildas' exit, um, 3-1 was the scoreline across the semis. Japan beating Sweden by that scoreline, and USA beating France 3-1. Um, Japan-USA final now. As I was saying earlier, I've got USA in the office sweepstake. Um, Very Jimmy. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to assume anything yet because um, Japan have got a you know, series of pretty impressive results, but would you expect the USA to... Take that one out. Yes, I think you'll have the money in the bag, basically. Excellent. Uh, That's all no, I want to say. That's the only other way that, that finishing. Yeah. Problem with this week's day, it's not one of the ones where we've gathered it together. Everyone's kept their money. So now I have to go to everyone's <laughs> desk. And, You're and, stuffed. Yeah. But you know what? I'm, I'm going to do it because I'd, I'd happily pay up if, if I lost the bet. Um, so I'm going to have to just... You're not using this payday at all as emotional blackmail in any way, are you? I was thinking about how I do it. Do I send that kind of a email to all the everyone and go, look guys, just let you know, I'll be coming around picking no. up your $10. You go around the houses, you find the pets, you pick them up, you bring them there, you hold a knife to the neck of the pet. Yeah. Pay or else. Yeah, and they go, well, I was going to give you the money anyway, I've got it here, but <laughs> you didn't need to do that. Um, another game, talking about from two people who didn't watch it, um, <laughs> Melbourne, <laughs> Melbourne victory going down to Celtic last <coughs> night. Um you know, what kind of impression, I suppose, have we got about how, you know, what about the Celtic tour? How successful has that been? I think overall it's, it's not been that bad, actually. The uh, the crowds in general were pretty much as good or better than expected, I think. Uh, Sydney crowd was better than I was in, anticipating, to be honest. Well, I thought they might break 20 in Sydney, but I suppose... Well, I was, I was concerned they might not even get above 12, to be honest, at one stage. Okay. Um, and Perth held up pretty well. And yeah, a little bit disappointed by Melbourne. I thought that might have been closer to a sellout than it was. But mm. either way, I think it was it was pretty good. But as soon as you put anything in Homebush in Sydney, it's like telling a Sydney side that it's on the moon. Oh, it's pretty atmosphere's <laughs> going to die. You know, it's just <laughs> shocking. Yeah, um, I mean, they rounded out the tour with a win. Um, Brown, the captain, coming off the bench and grabbing it. But there, there was a little side story here that we can't we can't ignore. Um, for those of you who are not on Twitter or have not been following this, I've not seen it this morning, um, Victoria Police ha- <coughs> have a Twitter account that normally updates, you know, successful... Road accidents. Yes, yeah. Things like that. Yeah, and, I mean, there's not much humour 
to it. There's not much character to it normally, um, unless they've got a particular agenda. Now, last night's game, they, they were sort of tweeting throughout um, various stuff. I mean, um, I'm going to start here. Game about to start with one person already evicted from ground. What a waste of ticket money. And then throughout the game, this sort of keep you updated with the scoreline slash their scoreline with throwing people out. Um, the score is nil-nil at the soccer. We've only won eviction. Um, scores still nil-nil. Evictions four. And then it really, you know, they really get into it from this point. Celtics one, police five. Celtics being the Boston bas- basketball team, maybe. I mean, it's on the scoreboard in front of them in big letters. <laughs> Sherlock, look. For Christ's sake. Um, no wonder they can't get a conviction down in Melbourne. <laughs> and then the, 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 the sort of um, fury spilled out from football fans that were unhappy with this, but it didn't seem to bother them at the end of the game. Game over. Celtics, still Celtics. Celtics won, police 14. And these are evictions, they're not arrests. And I think, was, the, was there around 20 evictions in the end? Or no, I think, 14, well, right? I think it was just 14. Just 14. And um, they seem to have managed to get nine people evicted just as they were about to leave anyway. Right, yeah, on the way out, you're yeah. out. Okay. Um, I thought it was disgusting, inflammatory, yes. aggressive, confrontational, provocative, unprofessional, shocking. Yes, and they have come out and apologised um, today about that, that conduct. And the FFA have been across it as well. I've seen they've been on Twitter saying that, that they're not very happy. Um, they, they don't do it for other codes. They've just done that for football um, I saw the story up, and I can't. Perhaps it was the Sydney Morning Herald, or um, they had a poll. You know, do you think this is funny? Or Alex, and most people think it's fine, but I think they're missing the context of we have to put up with this kind of stuff all of the time. And yeah, I mean, it doesn't help the image of the game. You know, police are only going to inflame the situation by doing that. They're only going to make it by that very uh, way that they've displayed that. It's making it us versus them. Yeah. It's Celtic versus the police. Yeah. It's fans versus the police. That's not the way to police football matches. It's not the way grown-ups behave. Full stop. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah, I mean, an absolutely bizarre decision. And I'm pleased they've come out and realised it's wrong. There, there were a few people on Twitter claiming that there wasn't anything wrong with it. Um, I think they might be AFL fans, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> because there clearly is, and, and I'm pleased that some action has been done about that. And that's all we've got for Section 1. When we come back, we will chat some A-League news. This month's 442 magazine features the 50 drills and skills guaranteed to make you a better player. So you can dribble like Messi, shoot like Ronaldo, volley like Rooney, pass like Xavi, and head like Cahill. It also features our look at the death of Brazilian football, plus exclusive Lucas Neal and Aaron Moy interviews. Grab the new 442. It's on newsstands today. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello and welcome back to the 442 Insider podcast section two. We're going to chat A-League. First piece of news to chat about, Kev, is the AFC A-League overhaul plan. Their 14-point plan for improving our humble league. Um, Looking at factors such as, you know, the competitions, the media, marketing, technical, legal and finance. Um, overall impression of, of what's positive, what's unrealistic? Well, I, th- I think it's a sign of the times that the last time the AFC came out here, there was actually optimism that it might end up with us getting an extra place uh, in the, the Asian Championship, Champions League. Um, now the, uh, the mood has swing completely, and they're giving us their 14-point plan on how to improve the league, uh, basically almost even suggesting that we need to do these things just to even stay in the Asian Champions League. 
Um, but it's not really necessarily relating or taking into consideration the, uh, the special circumstances of Australia being the, uh, with football, is the, the ugly sister of is the Cinderella with the three other football codes. Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of the suggestions need money, and the one thing the league is not exactly overflowing with, I mean, um, an increase in the number of, of registered professional players. Um, again, they might you know, be struggling with that. Could consider the option of multiple broadcasters, which is a hot topic in, in, in yeah. what's going to happen next. Um, but, I mean, how much do they have, the FFA have to take this on board? I mean, I think it's obviously something they've, they've got to say that they're working towards. And, you know, realistically, I think everything on here is very valid. Mm. Uh, nothing's, you know, off, off, the, off the planet. But it's a long way down the line for us in many ways. Some of it's really easy to implement. Yeah. Uh, I mean, for example, you know, a lot of the media have been demanding a mix zone uh, after matches between, you know, journalists and uh, players and staff. Uh, that's so easy to do, and why it's not been done before now is bizarre. Wasn't it the layout of some of the stadiums? Was the Allegedly, excuse that but I, heard? I mean, it's just nonsense. You can, <laughs> it's so easy to do. Yeah, I mean, how many media would there be? It's not going to exactly. be overall, is know, it? It's uh, even in Sydney, there's maybe five, six yeah. uh, journals uh, from professional outfits. Yeah, it should, it should be easy enough. And a lot of the guys are worth speaking to. They're, they're pretty affable guys willing to give comments. Yeah, I mean, it, it just makes a difference between having a match report uh, a, appearing in the papers or whatever, the press the next day, and having more stories mm. uh, that are different from what everybody else has got. Mm. And that's what, that's what news editors, sports editors are looking for, you know, something new, different, and gets away from match reports. Match reports don't actually generate that much interest these days. No. We're, we're beyond know that. already, don't you? We've got the internet, we've got TV coverage. Match reports are, are minimal. Uh, what really gains interest is quotes and uh, interaction with players themselves. Um, um, but having said that, the more difficult stuff is the uh, promotion and relegation, uh, which is the, the hot topic. But we're such a long way away from that at the moment. We're such a long way of that, both in the sense of having enough teams and it working financially, but also um, having the psyche that is acceptable that just surviving is a good, is a good season. Yeah. You know, whereas in England, you know, I've, I've made this point in the podcast before, when Wigan just stayed up, they were celebrating like they'd won the Champions Absolutely. League. Absolutely. Yep. Um, and it's ingrained that idea of kind of just you know clinging on, and, and that's a good season. I mean, not not a great season, but they stayed up, they survived when they shouldn't have. Yeah. Um, I can see you know when a team starts sliding down in the A League, no one goes, no one could care less well, if they just you know, stay up. North Queens and Fury were the, the prime example of that. Not only were they you know going to get <laughs> uh, the wooden spoon, but they were going to get uh, destroyed at the end of the, the season as well. And they just started fielding reserve sides. Yeah. Yeah. If they had relegation to fight for, that wouldn't have happened, obviously. You'd have still been fighting for your life uh, to try and avoid being wooden spin. Yeah. Um, moving on, but staying with the A-League in terms of um, you know different implementations, there are plans for the A-League youth teams to compete in state leagues across Australia, um, offering up to a potential 40-game season. Now, I've spoken to, to Gary Van Egmond, about this a few times, and, and he was saying one of the biggest problems of the National Youth League is that they just don't play enough games to develop um, what they need to, com- especially compared to what they're doing in Europe. Um, so it seems like an obvious move, this one. What are your thoughts on it? I think it's a great idea. Uh, there's a couple of things that worry me. One is that um, some of the, uh, the FFA and some of the states seem to be doing it without actually consulting the clubs. 
Mm. Adelaide United have been railroaded into this without any uh, involvement in the planning of it whatsoever, which seems very odd to me. Uh, but having said that, uh, I think it is a great idea in theory, although I'm not sure whether or not they'll be allowed overage players, and they're going to need overage players to compete uh, in that league. These are big, strapping, grown men, and it's, it can be quite a physical league, the state league sometimes, yeah. um, to actually develop. They're going to need some experience and leadership out there. Yeah, and, uh, and especially develop the, the kind of style that we want to see from the next generation, because if you start getting you know, knocked around left, right and centre, it's, it's going to be difficult to try and maintain that. Yep. Um, well, let's hope that happens. I mean, some of the football associations across the states can be a law unto themselves, if I can say that in the most diplomatic way possible. Um, and often when ideas come along, they either won't agree to them or they'll go off and do their own thing. And that's something that FFA need to sort out. And, and this could be a good, um, good starting point if they yeah. can get this right. And I think also it's, it's a really good way to get the A-League connected with the state leagues and the, the old, old soccer yeah. uh, in this country and you know, revive the interest and unify the, the support. Yeah. Um, Carlos Hernandez, a man who clearly loves training. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't look like he's ever missed a session. Missed the session um, because he, he was over in, in the States uh, trialling with a MLS side. Was it Real Salt Lake? Real Salt Lake, I suspect. Yeah. It's probably pronounced by the locals. Um, Melbourne were across this. They were aware that he was going to do this, but you know they were certainly under the impression they'd be back training ahead of the Celtic game. Um, he wasn't. They're not very happy. Um, where's this going to lead? What's going to happen? I here? don't know. It's an interesting one. I mean... Carlos is clearly a key part of Victory's uh, lineup, uh, but he's on the last year of his contract. He would be worth uh, a fair amount and a transfer fee, you would think. Yep. Uh, if Kuhl is coming, I think this is where what it all boils down to. If Kuhl is coming, he's not quite so vital. They've also got Rojas now as well, who yep. could slot into that position. Uh, and Kuhl's going to be expensive, and Carlos is already expensive. Possibly a luxury having both off on the same side. Um, they're certainly doing the best to alienate him from the side, mm. you would think, with the way they're behaving uh, in public towards him. Um, I don't know, it's a, a tricky one, but it was interesting that uh, we heard reports that Real Salt Lake were unhappy with his condition when he turned up, mm. but he was at training on Tuesday. Was it Tuesday? Ye- Monday. Monday. Right. Uh, and I saw pictures of him, and he looks in great shape. Okay. The best shape I've seen him, genuinely. Right. Uh, slim, fit, healthy. So, I don't know. Um, it's going to be an interesting one to see how it all pans out. And uh, as I say, I think it all really rests on cool whether or not he's coming. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've spoken to a victory player before, um, who a guy named is not Adrian Layer, because that seems like an obvious link, because he's quoted here. But um, some victory players are a little bit upset about how much he puts in in training. <laughs> <laughs> they've said yeah. that and especially if you're in that kind of mindset where you train really really hard and you, you know you keep yourself in great shape because you're a professional sports person if you've got that you know supremely talented player but doesn't try as hard as you in other areas you know that can put the team out of sync you're not going to be happy with that and that's certainly the impression of, of some of the victory players so I hope he gets lean I mean he's got long enough pre-season well I mean certainly at the moment he, those pictures uh, from Monday look fantastic but um, he wasn't doing the old sucking the stomach in like, nah, that old nah. trick <laughs> Gaza's trick yeah um, a departure from victory next 
um, Surat Sukkar, is that right? Yep. He has has left the club after a, a, a period. I mean, I was reading some tweets from Victory fans. Some seem to quite like him. I think he'd done a reasonable job. Others are pleased to see the back of him. Yeah, it's an interesting one. There's, there's suggestions that he may have been uh, strongly suggested to make this move by people in Thailand. Right. Because uh, he signed with a Bangkok side, so he's yeah, there was, uh, returning. A lot of pressure apparently being put on him uh, and his family to make this move. Not necessarily in a good way, apparently. Oh, okay. Um, that doesn't sound great. No, it's... it's uh, I mean, it could be just scuttlish rumours, but uh, certainly there's a suggestion that's that was part of the reason for making it. Um, but having said that, I, you know, I was quite surprised he'd only made 36 appearances, to be honest. I thought he probably would have made more than that. He seems like a mainstay of the, the victory side. Yeah, um, it came with a reasonable amount of hype. I think people were quite optimistic that he'd be a decent player. Well, they spotted him in the, the Asian Champions League when they came up against him, didn't they? Yeah. Uh, and uh, he was an obvious talent then. And to be honest, I thought he was, he was great. Uh, I was really impressed by him. Uh, he was a, a solid performer in his position. Uh, Okay. And I'm not quite sure who they've got to replace him at the moment. No. Nobody springs They're to just mind. clearing out so they can afford Harry, aren't they? They can. They have a way. squad of 11. Yeah. Just hope that Harry stays fit. Um, final A-League story for this week is Miron saying that um, his regenerated side can spring a few surprises and he's uh, confident that it's nearly there in terms of, of personnel. Been a real turnaround for Gold Coast when they entered the league. They were talking about they were the new bling team and they had Kalina and Smelts and they were throwing money at, at getting proven players over. Um, had a very successful national youth side that, that won the, the title back to back, I believe. And now that's what they're going to lean on. Um, it's kind of commendable. It'd be interesting to see how they go. But it's not how they set out. And, and you have to feel that there's, there's other reasons behind why they're, they're taking this approach now to sort of rely on this youth. Gold Coast United are the new North Queensland Fury. I know you're a big fan of Gold Coast, Kevin. What do you make of, of Miron's approach this season? How are they going to go? I mean, it will be a shock if they, they do as well as he's saying. I, would, I think he's whistling in the dark, to be honest. Uh, I can see them being almost... Uh, it's not really fair because, you know, it's a young squad and... It depends how he turns them out, but on paper, you would think they're going to be competing with Perth Glory for the world, eh, the wooden spoon. Perth Glory for the wooden spoon, yeah? Yeah. Well, well it's coming round to predictions time. Yeah, and I magazine. did really well last and year. We, we do an excellent job of them, <laughs> of them every year. Yeah, it's going to be interesting how Gold Coast, you know, because most teams um, have those sort of couple of star quality players that you you would feel are a cut above the youngster that they're they're going to throw in, but you know who knows they're, they're worth keeping an eye on. I mean that's what the A League is you know yeah. should be partly for, isn't it? Clive Palmer is treading water until Western Sydney come along and replace them in the uh, A League. Is my gut feeling about that? You heard that rumour we made up here first. <laughs> um, that's all for section two, and when we come back, we're going to stick with Australian news, but have a little chat about. The young Socceroos, the guys that want to play for them and the guys that don't. We all have goals, but sometimes we need a little help along the way. The best advice and assistance on your journey can make an enormous difference. Tiger Management and PR represents up-and-coming and established TV and radio presenters, performers and sports people. So if you're wondering how you'll rise to the next level, engage the services of Tiger Management and PR and you'll no longer be alone. (laughs) 
call 1300 784 212 to find out more or visit tigermanagement.com.au. Back to 442 Insider. Hello and welcome back to part three of this week's 442 Insider podcast. Young Socceroos, Kev. Um, the squad for the Under-20s World Cup has been announced, the 21-player squad. Um, happy with it? I mean, in a minute we'll talk about a couple of guys that um, didn't want to come along. But yeah. the guys that did, the guys that are in there, I mean, it, it looks like a, a pretty strong squad to me. Yeah, I, 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 I don't there. think there's uh, anything wrong with the squad at all. I think it's very good, very strong. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we can be rightly optimistic of uh, putting up a, a decent display over there. Um, it's also good to see Karen Bullet uh, or Bullet, Bullet, Bullet? Bullet, yeah, I Bullet. don't really know. Uh, back in the fold <laughs> again. Helps. He's obviously got his passport back, which is great. Yep. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I think it's a, a great squad. Mm. Um, there's no obvious admissions that I can see that uh, should be in there that aren't. Yeah, um, I mean, to, to pull out a couple of names, I mean, you've got, you've got a meanie. The Mariners there, a good sort of technical creative player. Terry Antonis, we're hoping the, the, the same for him. Leckie and Orr, um, good players. There's plenty of attacking purpose in that and, and the type of players we want to see coming through. And lots of first-team players as well, you know, not just youth league players, actual first-team, first-selection players, uh, which is fantastic to see. Mm. Was this something that Aaron Moy, is, is he in there? Is, should he be in there? Oh, um, while something actually. thinking out loud, yeah. Um, because when we spoke to him, I understand that the, the club had St Mirren had given him um, the right to go and play in this tournament, and the way he's been playing, I assumed that he would. Have, have we had a mix-up here? Is there some reason why he's not in there? Because you, you would think he'd be one of the first names in there. You would have, wouldn't you? That would. Yeah. You, you're gonna well, have to go I'm, and find I'm, that I'm, yourself because yeah. we don't <laughs> you, know. You've just created work for me. Thanks. <laughs> Um, yeah. But when we head into this tournament, we've come off the back of various criticism for the way we've been, you know, how our youth teams have been performing, if you like. What's the plan for Colombia? What, what's this squad going to do there? Or what should it be doing? Well, I mean, I think this is the, the real test for uh, Jan Versley. And there was mixed messages came out for the under-17s. Uh, I mean, it was a disappointing campaign. Uh, and those that had their agenda were saying that he's had Versailles had two years with the under-17s to mould them. Mm-hmm. Yet other people were saying, well, actually, a lot of them he only had six months with. Uh, this one is the one that he's got no excuse for. Uh, okay. th- this one is his baby. He's seen the daggers are out already. Yeah. Uh, so you know, there's a lot resting on this, uh, which is you know pretty obvious to say. But I think you know his future is going to be decided by this. Uh, but he's got the material there. Um, it's a strong side strong squad there's great things expected from them not just by fans but the FFA themselves have been singing the, the praises of the under 20s uh, for the best part of a year now yeah. uh, they really see this as a, a potential new golden generation mm. um, so yeah hopefully we'll see good football we'll see victories for green and gold and we'll see quarterfinals semi-finals yeah, I'm going back to, to Karem Boulet. Um, there will be an interview of him that was in the Mac the other, other month going up online at some point, isn't that right? Yes, apparently. Which is um, apparently, <laughs> yeah. Um, but let's chat about the couple of, you know, the, the contentious part of this squad announcement is is the fact that, that Brent McGar and uh, Stephen Lustica um, declined 
the FFA's invitation for selection and made themselves unavailable. I mean, we're digging for further details about that now, but what do we know so far? Well, I mean, it it's, appears to be a club versus country row, and uh, the FFA have really, really pulled out all the stops to try and persuade these guys to go, uh, even bringing in Lucas Neal, apparently, uh, to try and encourage them. Uh, smooth talking Lucas can't get you there talking, I mean to be able to even track down Lucas this time of <laughs> the year is uh, good work in itself contract time to. yeah exactly um, but they appear to have been quite determined and the word from the, the Listica camp is that uh, he is completely disillusioned with the way he's been treated by Gold Coast United especially but also it would appear uh, the FFA although find it hard to believe that the FFA have really treated them that badly by calling them up for the World Cup. Yeah, how dare they. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's something that's divided fans. Uh, fan, some fans see that, you know, putting the, their effort into uh, the club is uh, an important part of their uh, an important part of their career, is more important than this. But I take the view, it's a World Cup. It's not a training camp. Yeah. You know, they're repre- offered the chance to represent the country at a World Cup. The honours don't come much more higher than that. Mm. I, was, I was speaking to, to Han about this the other day, and he was saying that it's, it's sort of a minimum of three and a half weeks. I think they're going to Denver for altitude training. Um, so it's a minimum of three and a half weeks, and depending on how far that they progress, it, it will obviously be more than that. And he kind of suggested that for some players, because of the timing of it, um, they're going to lose their run-in for the, the pre-season, um, and they might lose their place in the team, and it could affect the whole season. So there's a slight concern, you know, over that. Um, very interesting forum comment I read about um, James Holland, who said that when he captained the side, um, it didn't help his career whatsoever, and it was kind of the, the start of a bit of a stall in his career. I mean, what did you think of that? Yeah, I mean, I can understand that, but by the same token, it, like I say, it's the World Cup. Uh, it's pre-season. The whole thing even if they get to the finals, it finishes on August the 20th. Hmm. It's not a huge dent into the new season. Uh, they're going to come back. They're going to be match sharp, hmm. proper fitness, uh, much more battle-hardened. <sighs> yeah, I can understand the, you know, the, the danger of losing that first-team place, but if, if you shine, I mean, it's just a case of backing yourself. If you shine, you'll get back into the team, no problem. Yeah. Um, let's go had a Q&A on our website recently and there was a bit of controversy over the, the Miron comment when we asked him, what, what do you think of Miron? He simply said, Miron who? Um, there's no love lost there, is there? No, he doesn't appear to be uh, very happy at all about the way he was treated. And you can't blame him either, you know. Uh, he was bad-mouthed by Miron. Uh, he said he wasn't up to the rigours of first-team A-League football. And, well, he's got a contract in Europe now. Yes. And he's going to be playing Barcelona in a couple of weeks' time. Mm. Someone else has got a contract in Europe, Mile Jedniak. There's ever a man that seems suited to the English Championship. No, no. He's oh. missed his true calling. Well, what do we think? He's signed for Crystal Palace. Um, Popovich is there, who alerted you know, the club to the, the availability of a, a player that's playing regular international football and did well at the Asian Cup. So it's no surprise he's... Um, got himself a move, but what do you make of it? No, I think it's, it's a good move for him, and yes, he will be, uh, he is definitely going to be uh, a good player for Crystal Palace in the Championship, mm-hmm. or, uh, ideal for that kind of role, but I do think that uh, he would have been even better uh, at the heart of uh, Rangers midfield. Uh, I think he would have really shone brightly in the, the Scottish Premier League. How likely was that? 
Well, they? apparently Rangers were very, very interested, um, mm. but they just didn't have the readies. Uh, they're doing it very tough at the moment and uh, just couldn't come up with the cash uh, to match what uh, Palace were offering. Mm. I mean, let's not forget that the Championship is one of the best leagues in the world, Kevin. We know that. Yeah, well, especially, especially now with this <laughs> new influx of talent from the East End of London. It's a little bit, you know, when you get relegated, you have to sort of <laughs> go to all these new Twitter feeds and new pages <laughs> on the internet. It's a whole, you know, completely yeah. different world. You Look, and your team follow back as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> come on, West Ham fans stick together. They, they want to know what I've got to say. Um, well, look, I hope he does well, though. I, I think that's a reasonable move for him. Um, that division, and I'm not just saying this now because of West Ham, is going to be a tough one next season. There is well, a lot of teams that can expect to get promoted, so and Palace aren't one of them. Yeah, I think this is, this is the big danger of the move is that you know relegation scrap. Yeah, Palace could be in danger of going down next season. They only just escaped this season, um, but you know it's up to players like Jedi coming in and mm. making a difference, and you know. At least forcing their way into the top half of the, or the middle of the table, if yeah. not the top half. Be a reasonable first scorer bet as well. Mm. Decent odds on that, and he, yeah, he doesn't mind, you know, getting in the He's box. He's won 25 caps. Yeah, I just story. saw that as well, and I was surprised. Yeah, I remember being surprised by that when I did the story. It was, gosh, um, in. Sticking with Socceroos in the Championship, Paddy Kisnorbo, very popular with the Leeds fans, has um, signed a new two-year deal with the club battling back from the injury which ruled him out of the World Cup. Um, as I say, Leeds fans are delighted he's staying there. What do you make? Is, is that about right? I mean, he's, he's not been able to shot window himself to a, to a bigger club, so Leeds, who will be in the mix again, I'd imagine. Well, Leeds, uh, he did actually have interest from other clubs. Okay. Uh, and it almost looked like he'd done a deal at one stage, uh, especially when Leeds were saying that he only had two weeks to prove himself. Right. Uh, before they gave him a new contract. In the mm. end, I think it only took a couple of days of him back at training yeah. to, uh, to offer him this new deal. Um, so he must be delighted about that. He's 30 years old. Yeah. God, we're getting old. I mean, it just mm. doesn't seem like yesterday that he was, you know... Uh, Next big thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, he would be a veteran at the heart of the Socceroos' defence now. Well, I mean, there's lots to talk about what that Brazil 2014 back two is going to be. I mean, Lucas doesn't sound like he wants to go anywhere. Sasha's only just come into the team. He'll be aiming for it. Um, Spiranovic, we've been waiting for years for Spiranovic <laughs> to take that position. I wonder when it's actually going to happen. And then you'd have to fill paddies around that as well. Yep. And then you've also got uh, the Germans and the youngsters coming through as well. Yes. Um, and Aussie doing well in Europe. Matthew Leckie has been praised... Um, by his coach at Borussia Mönchengladbachen. Um, 5-2 win over Aberdeen. It's a friendly, but um, Lecky did manage to grab a couple of goals. Um, I mean, in terms of players that come out of the A-League, you know, massive potential yeah, for, yeah. for Lecky to kick on. Um, especially now he's got a, you know, a, a move to a, to a good side. A side a lot of Aussies have ended up in. I know um, Craig Moore was there before, and I was thinking about that. There's a few that have gone there. Um, what did you make of the coach's comments? I mean, he, he was kind of a bit of constructive criticism in there as well, saying he, he still has a bit to learn. Of, you yeah, know, he's clearly trying to keep his feet, Matthew's feet on the ground. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of praise there and, you know, a lot of realistic uh, overview as well, uh, saying he still has much to learn. <laughs> I'm not quite sure why he linked that to Matthew's from Australia and still has much to learn. Yeah, did I get lost in translation? Yeah. yeah. Um, but... Uh, and identified the key area, you know, with an opponent as back, he struggled to maintain the ball. Uh, but obviously, you know, 
it's what we all knew that in front of goal he can be deadly mm. uh, with the ball at his feet on the run he can be deadly Yeah. Uh, and that's what we need and that's what we uh, hope to see more of and if Borussia Mönchengladbach can improve on the rest of his game fantastic and that's the thing about moving up to a higher level is that those kind of flaws aren't acceptable and they're going to work on it and also they will give them the one-on-one attention to make sure he does improve in that area they've got the coaching staff that can spend the time to do that whereas here we've got maybe one or two coaches for the entire team and you don't get that one-on-one attention in the same way no, exactly. Um, final piece of Australian news to uh, round out section three is going back to, to Brent McGrath, who's actually Socceroos snub. He's still doing <laughs> well. Um, for Bromby, scored a goal in Bromby's final pre-season game um, on the weekend. Um, sort of come from nowhere, didn't he, at first? Well, uh, yeah. I mean, apart from he was, update that Aussie's overseas. Yeah, I mean, he was quietly doing stuff well in the, the, the UK mm. uh, before he, he made this move. But now he seems to really be coming into his own. Uh, and I think you know this tells its own story about why he's, he's snubbed the Socceroos. Uh, the courts are, I do what I can to impress the coaching staff. It's shortly before the season that you need to peak. He wants first-team football. He's 20 uh, times marching on for him, and he obviously sees this as his time to, to get into the first team and worry about the senior Socceroos later on. Yep. Um, I hope it works out for him. Mm. You know, uh, we need people in his position. Uh, yeah, but we could have probably done with them at the World Cup as well. Yeah, and, and I think that's one thing that people have to remember, especially when you're in Australia and you're Australian, is that your club is your day job. You know, they're the ones that are primarily you know paying your wages and in your area of your day. Um, it makes it a little bit more understandable why he might sort of turn down a, a youth World Cup if he thinks he's got a chance of breaking into that first team. I mean, like you say, I do still think it's pre-season, but if he ends up you know, losing a month out of the build-up to the campaign... I, th- I think the, the, the thing, particularly with McGrath, is there's quite a lot of competition for the striker's role uh, in the under-20s. There's, there's a few decent players in there that uh, you might be coming up against. And if you're going to take that time out, you'd want guaranteed first-team football. And possibly nobody can give him that assurance, therefore he might be better to stay with his club. Mm. Um, I've got a little bit more sympathy with him than I do with Steve Lustigan in that position. Yeah, sure. Okay, that's all we've got for section three. Section four, we're going to uh, finish the pod with some world news. It's basically a series of Willy Won't He Transfer Sagas from Europe. This month's 442 magazine features the 50 drills and skills guaranteed to make you a better player. So you can dribble like Messi, shoot like Ronaldo volley like Rooney, pass like Xavi and head like Cahill. It also features our look at the death of Brazilian football, plus exclusive Lucas Neal and Aaron Moy interviews. Grab the new 442, it's on newsstands today. The latest on the world game, this is 442 Insider. Hello and welcome back to the fourth and final section of this week's 442 Insider podcast. World news time, or world transfer news time. Um, lots of players possibly going. Let's start with Tevez, um, the Manchester City captain, who has made it very clear that he, he wants to move the way. Um, Corinthians have apparently tabled a 36 to 40 million that sterling bid for the city's captain. Um, Tevez has claimed, uh, and I stress claimed, that he wants to move away because of family reasons. 
Um, it's quite interesting that there's a bit in the magazine this month about how clubs like Corinthians and, and the South American teams that traditionally would just feed the clubs for Europe are now coming into more money because of the, the economy over there and they can now afford to table bids to get a player like this. Yeah, know, I think the fact that Corinthians were offering 40 million took so many people back. Yeah. It's been a real eye-opener for them that uh, Brazil is now a powerhouse economy. Yeah. Uh, quietly, you know, the, the slums, the favelas and all that are gradually becoming a thing of the past uh, because the, the economy is just booming in Brazil at the moment. Mm. Uh, they've also just renegotiated the TV rights uh, where they got 1.3 billion uh, risundos or whatever the, the local uh, currency is, uh, which has given them unprecedented spending power. Suddenly, you know, they're up there with the EPL in terms mm. of uh, spending power. Yeah, uh, and yeah, it's taken a lot of people by surprise that Brazil could be reclaiming, not just reclaiming their players, but holding on to players like Neymar uh, and the other up-and-coming stars that normally would immediately go to Europe mm. uh, for some money. Hopefully it's in a good state in three years' time when we're holidaying out there for the World Cup. But City well, aren't going to get... By then, we're hopefully it'll have gone into decline so that we, our Aussie dollar goes further again. <laughs> oh, I hope so. Um, <laughs> So, I mean, City had a valuation of, of 50 million UK and the, the, they don't really want to budge from it. I mean, if there's one club in the world that can be stubborn about a valuation if they need to, yeah. it, it's, it's funny that City. I think, to be honest, though, I mean, Tevez has proved to be vitally important for City. Mm. They don't have a, a replacement for him waiting in the wings yet. No. Uh, so I think, you know, in terms of how much he's worth to City, 50 million is still undervaluing him, to be honest. Uh, he was the, the player that kept them in contention last season. They're going to need to replace him, and they're going to have to spend a lot of money to replace him. I'm not sure 50 million would do that. Yeah, and everyone knows that you've got money and you just got another 40 million, yeah. so they're going to be fleecing him, you Absolutely. Know, regardless of who they go on and get. Another Willy Won't He transfer is the Modric, Luka Modric, Tottenham's uh, playmaker, really wants to go to Chelsea. Chelsea really want him. Tottenham are claiming that he's definitely not going, but let's be honest, if the bid is good enough, he'll go. The, the latest I was reading on Twitter this morning before we started recording is that Modric is likely or has handed in a transfer request now. Oh, I mean, Modric has to go. He's just not mm. going to perform for them for the rest of the season. It's just a case of this is just open negotiations. Uh, Spurs digging in, looking for the best possible price. Again, they're going to have to replace him. They're going to have to spend big to, to get a star for similar quality. The so they've got to get a decent watch out of Chelsea. Yeah, I mean, the amount of players that Tottenham are linked with and they either turn them down or go somewhere else, it's, it must be a little bit disheartening. And they haven't got the offer of Champions League football. No, no, it's true. You know, and and that's, that's a massive problem. And it's going to be difficult to build a team to get back in that top four, especially with the players that Liverpool are buying this season. I mean, the race for the top four next season is going to be incredible. Um, I was reading... Something that makes sense, but I didn't actually know before this, that as soon as a player hands in a transfer request, they forfeit a load of money. Really? Yeah, but certain, certain terms of a deal, as soon as you hand in a transfer request, you, you don't receive as much money when you move on. It's kind of a clause in there to stop people oh, really? doing what they're doing. Mm. So they, they kind of push them in, into you know, what Modric is doing. As soon as you put a transfer request in, though, I mean, once you're on the transfer list, your value slumps immediately. Yeah. Uh, in any case, so you, you will be getting a, a smaller percentage. You will be getting the percentage you get will be a smaller value because yep. the overall transfer value will be smaller. It's close season time, so it's 
time to talk about is Fabregas going to go to Barcelona? <laughs> um, Wenger's comments were, were quite surprising. Um, I think most people would assume that he'd kind of submitted that, that Fabregas would definitely be going and Nasri would almost certainly be going. Um, Alex Ferguson certainly made comments saying that you know they wouldn't be sign, signing Nasri, but he, he is likely he'll go somewhere. But Wenger's now kind of come out now and, and remains hopeful um, that both players will still be at the club. I mean, they have to keep one of them if they want to stay in the top four. Um, where's he going to end up? I mean, are we, we going to see you know, Nazari at, at Barcelona? Sorry, Nazari at City and Fabregas at Barcelona? I don't know. Uh, it is one of these imponderables. I mean, the, the Fabregas thing, I think almost everybody would have expected that to have gone through this year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's been on the cards for the past 12 months. Uh, but Fabregas didn't have... A great season last season, I no. felt. Uh, so, you know, maybe Barcelona aren't quite as determined and keen as they were the season before. That his valuation has dropped. Uh, and to be honest, Arsenal did remarkably well uh, without him. Mm. Um, so, you know, if I was Wenger, was a decent offer came in, I probably would sell uh, Fabregas. I would do everything I could to hold on to Nasri, though. Yeah, you got to have one. I mean, I was blown away with Nasri last season if yeah. Fabregas... He's just coming into his own, definitely. Um, I read a very good point. Someone was saying that, that, that Nasri shouldn't leave because he's not the finished product yet, and under Wenger he could be. So, yeah, I agree. Um, I think if, if he stays, he could, he could become a, just as good as Fabregas, potentially. And the problem is, you go to the, the clubs like City. Uh, City just buy so many players. Mm. It's like Chelsea. Even good players can get overshadowed. They don't get regular first-team uh, football, and they just go into decline. I mean, you, you see it with Joe Cole, Scott Parker, yep. Steve Sidwell, so many good players mm. whose careers were ruined by going to top clubs and just getting lost in the midst. Adam Johnson, who's an excellent player, yep. would start at any other Premier League club, sits on the bench at City, and yep. with the new squad, um, you know, same with Bellamy. When he went there, exactly the same yep. happened to him, and he found himself at, at Cardiff. You know, and I think it destroys your career. You end mm. up in Cardiff. You yeah, know, you spend the best years of your life sitting on a bench. You get a huge wage, mm. but for what? You don't yeah. get to play. No, you don't get to go play mm. internationals. Just pointless. Absolutely yeah. pointless. Yeah, I mean, it's not a very long career. No. I mean, by your mid thirties, you got to retire, and, and you want stories to annoy people in the pub with, don't you? Not, you know, I sat around on a yeah. on a on a big wage. Uh, the transfer of the summer would be, in my in my opinion, if Wesley Snyder um, opts to leave Inter Milan and, and replace Skulls, I suppose, at Manchester United. Um, there's kind of various comments coming out. Comments in the Inter camp are, are denying it, saying that they haven't received any offers and uh, you know they expect to hold on to him. Um, the Sun in the UK, that reliable source, is pretty adamant that he's going to go, and that they reckon by this week. Or you know, by the end of this week or the start of next week, it, it's going to happen. You know, I would love to see that happen. There's there's something that really appeals about Schneider being at, at Manchester United, especially now Scalzi's has moved on and um, didn't have a great season last season, mainly due to injuries. Um, but if he if he went under Fergie at Man U, do you, do you think he'll go okay in the Premier League? I think he will. Um, I sometimes wonder about Fergie's ability to relate to foreign players sometimes, mm. um, especially tenacious. Arrogant ones like Schneider. Yeah, he'll, he'll yeah. I, I can see a, a clash erupting there. Um, but you know, I think he he is what United need: uh, genuine talent uh, and uh, yeah, a bit of steel in midfield. Mm, I, I mean, if they if they get Schneider, they're, they're talking about perhaps 35 million UK for him. It would push the spending over 80 million, which was over the amount they got from Ronaldo. <coughs> 
um, with a whole new spine of a team, really. Yeah, but I mean, they've been pretty frugal uh, in years past. So, mm. you know, I think uh, they, uh, spending a bit of money this time probably wouldn't do any harm whatsoever, especially when they're getting such guaranteed quality uh, with a lot of life left in Schneider's 27, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, signing that has gone through after a list of things that might go through is um, Stuart Downing. Or at least the fee's been agreed this morning. It's the latest we've heard, and there's no anticipation that there's going to be any sort of medical problems. <coughs> so Liverpool, who spent hugely in, in the January transfer window, have, have continued spending. I mean, Jordan Henderson, Charlie Adam have both come in, and, and it now looks like Stuart Downing for £20 million from Aston Villa. Um, Stuart, Stuart Downing is one of those players that has a pretty bad reputation. Doesn't he? And, uh, and I think there's a lot of people within the game that rate him very, very highly. I mean, he won Villa Player of the Year last year. I mean, I don't know how big an accolade that is considering the season they had. But um, when I was um, at the Socceroos game um, recently, the, the one in Melbourne, I, I was sat next to a guy who works for, for Prozone. I'm not sure if I sent this in pod the other week, but this guy, Prozone, is basically the, the Premier League um, company that analyzes all performances and what have you, and I asked him to to name sort of one, you know, one player really that doesn't get the credit he deserves, and he, he lists Downing, and said that he's probably the most underrated player in terms of what he actually does for the club, but he's just not that popular, is he? He's linked to that McLaren era of England as well, um, but Liverpool will have genuine width with uh, with Carroll in the mix-up next season. I mean, Liverpool top four. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, it's a very UK um, squad, which is quite unusual for Liverpool in recent years, uh, with Charlie Adam and uh, Downing and Carroll. And, uh, it's it's you know some of the the best players in the UK in one squad. I'm going to be interested to see how it all gels together. <clears throat> it's kind of reminds me of like a an 80s pre-Bosman yeah. kind of squad that's been put together by Doug Leash. Mm. Um, and yeah I'm still not quite convinced by it to be honest I want to see it in action well, individually a lot of good players but for example Charlie Adam I thought did a brilliant job for Blackpool last year mm. I'm just not sure he's a Liverpool player mm. I'm just not quite sure he's that good Yeah, I think Dogleash sees oh there's a bit of me in Charlie Adam yeah. uh, you know a marauding goal scoring midfielder um, and may have got slightly taken in by that. I don't know. Uh, Downing as well. I think you know, good player, but I just feel could be falling. Liverpool could be falling over itself with good midfield players. And mm. yeah, I mean, I'm not sure what Jacko would say, but I mean, when I last spoke to him, it's sort of he is a very good player, Downing, but 20 million is a lot. Um, but Villa have to go out and spend now. I mean, Ash- Ashley Young's gone for 17 million to Man U, and their two best players arguably have moved on. Um, and they have to go out and spend some money, otherwise it's, it's going to be another season of struggle for Villa, I think. Um, I think do, you, do you think they will, though? I, go I, out and spend? Yeah, I don't actually think they will, personally. I just get the impression they're going to they'll make a few small acquisitions to, to get the squad members up, and I think they'll be happy with you know making it out of relegation and lower bottom. Is that because they've got a Scotsman in charge? Yeah. Spoken about? Genuinely, I think <laughs> and it, it was, yeah. 
Mm. That's not a stereotype because a Scotsman has agreed with that point. So <laughs> no, no letters of complaint. Um, excellent. I think that's it for one week. Kev, thanks for coming in. You're welcome. And uh, we'll be back next week. But thanks for listening to this week's 442 Insider podcast. 442 Insider is a Helms Media Solutions production. Visit helms.com.au to find out more about our services.